The Money Show. Small business. Pablo Fatidi is from Auric Business Accelerator. Good evening to you. Welcome to The Money Show. Good evening, Bruce. There you are. Good evening. I was, I was first of December. It is the 1st, first of, of, December. December. first of December. Pinch in the punch for the first of the month. The small business feature brought to you by Old Mutual. Visit oldmutual.co.za. Old Mutual, do great things every day. Um, we've got 31 days in December. We then probably got a week or two before people start trickling back to work because it's just the way we operate. As we go into our holidays, can we shut down completely, disconnect from our businesses, put them aside, put them on ice and come back and then start thinking afresh in the new year, rested and ready for whatever battles lie in our way? I think if you're employed, you can. I think if you own a business, you can't. It just simply doesn't work that way. Simply doesn't work that way. You know, I've spoken about him on a number of occasions. Um, There's this business owner I'm working with who's turning 80 in February next year. Bruce, he's been in his business for 56 years. He works six and a half days a week. And his biggest, deepest, most profound concern is if he sold the business, what would he do Monday morning, eight o'clock? He would have no purpose. He would have no value. He would have nothing to occupy his mind. It's part of who you are eventually. And you never stop thinking about it, but you can put it in the back of your mind, but it never stops ticking over. You constantly have your mind on it, as you should. Um, Okay. How healthy is it, though, to be as obsessed with your small business, 365 days a year, 24 hours, seven days a week? Surely at some point you can just knock off or not. I mean, is, I mean is this, the, this is the consequence of deciding to go to build something for yourself and trying to build a legacy and trying to create something brand new, I suppose. Well, you know, if, if we lived in a, a nice economy, and it's a lovely acronym, it stands for no inflation, constant expansion, <laughs> something that the Northern Hemisphere, Western economies have enjoyed for 10, 15 years, almost 20 years, since the 2008, coming out of the 2008, starting at about 2010 or so, constant expansion or inflation. It's absolutely fine. But I'm making an assumption that you want to grow your business. And the reason that you should want to grow your business, here's the math. So let's say you're doing 20 million revenue, you're producing, let's say, 10% profit of 2 million, and a starting valuation for your business would be, if I were to be exceedingly generous in the old days, five, six, seven years back, a five multiple, it gives you a valuation of your business of around 10 million rand. So that's the business you have. You have a business that you have sweated in for years, constantly invested in, and you have it sitting at a value today of 10 million. If you don't grow, Bruce, with inflation climbing and all the true numbers of inflation circling in and around us, it's likely that at no growth, the same said business will be worth 9 million rand at the end of next year. Yeah. If you want to just maintain your value, you need to grow at around 15%. If you want to grow the value, you need to grow at around 18 to 20%. So I'm assuming that you do not want to lose what you have. And I'm assuming that because next year is going to be a big year in our economy, you're going to capitalize on it and set yourself up to grow. Okay, now, 
We accept that we cannot disconnect from our businesses. We do need to be pondering how best we can maximize the opportunities that our business should present to us in the new year. So if we have five questions that we could ponder, maybe share them with our teams before we go on holiday, saying, guys, while we're on holiday, I want you to think about these things. Because we're going to have a meeting on the 2nd of January or 3rd of January or 5th of January, whatever it is, and I want everybody to come and bring back their ideas. Or do we not do that? Is it all about us and reflecting on our business, or do we turn it into a group activity? Well, you need to do the thinking first and then set up the thinking with the team. Because to the extent that you go and you go alone, it is torturous, torturous. The number of business owners I speak to who are 30, 35 years in the game and still bemoan the fact that it's been a very, very lonely journey. In part, I understand that it is because you carry the can, you carry the risk. It's you ultimately who has signed up at the bank or with the landlord or with the vehicles that you've acquired. But on the other hand, there is a way to create an environment where you build a leadership team and you go into battle together. You don't just simply go alone. So the first question that you're always going to be asking is what is our destination? Two years from now, that's it. Two years from now, what will we look like? And if you don't have a destination, Bruce, it, it really is like setting sail without deciding which port you're sailing to, which means the likelihood of you being out at sea with no more food, fuel, or water is pretty high. You need to know where you're navigating to. You need to know where you are taking your business to. Last week, we spoke about building a business backward. Honestly, I think it's one of the healthiest things you could ever possibly do to say 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, what do I want as an outcome of all the risk and investment I'm going to put in between now and then? And what does it mean for me today around setting a goal at the end of the first year, at the end of the second year, at least? If you can see that, you can track it, you can manage it, you can make sure you're on track in the most efficient possible way. How focused does the goal need to be? Because sometimes if you make a goal too specific, it can be restrictive, actually, because you're so busy focusing on the thing that you think you should be doing that you stop seeing opportunities. You stop looking around you. And maybe you'll think that's a distraction, but yeah, perhaps you miss stuff along the way. Now, look, you know, it, it is such an interesting conundrum because... You do want to stop seeing opportunities. You know, the, the, the famous psychologist late now, Carl Gustav Jung, turned around and he spoke about the superior replacement. He argued that to live a fulfilling life, you must identify a vision for yourself. In other words, what do you want to become in this life? What contribution do you want to make to the world in many ways? Uh, and he, he argued that point quite strongly. And he said, define it. Define it and then set yourself on a path to move towards it. And he says, you'll be faced with two massive challenges on a consistent basis if you're purposeful around what you do. The first is a temptation, which is a massive distraction. And the other, sometimes what might seem to be a temptation is a superior replacement. In other words, it is the better path, the truer path. So you only ever understand what is real and what is not by acting and taking the first step. 
And you're so right in arguing that to sit down and think about that goal and get involved in a process of defining it so tightly that you can't see anything on either side of it, it can be impediment. But let's make it easy. There is only one destination. And for all of us of a day, we will not be in our businesses. How do you want to exit your business? Do you want to close it down? Do you want to donate it? Do you want to pass it on? Or do you want to exit with a big bang and monetize all the years of getting there? So that destination doesn't reduce itself to the granular activities that you'll perform. It needs to rather be a bigger idea that you're moving towards, but an idea that can be measured. And I suppose you can only really determine a destination if you truly understand what it is that you do. And again, it sounds a bit stupid because, of course, you know what you do. You make a widget. You, you know, um, give massages, whatever it might be. But you've got to understand what it is that the business does, not what you do in the business, perhaps. Completely. You know, it was so interesting. I, so we're at the end of the year. Uh, yesterday, we had an event. There were 128 business owners in it. Uh, today, we had an online event, an international event. There were 68 business owners in it. And I often ask the question, what business are you in? And I'll give you some of the answers. So, for example, there are quite a few companies in South Africa at the moment that are stepping up very, very quickly to capitalize on the massive deregulation of energy generation in the country taking place. People would say, you know, we're in solar and we, we generate energy, we create power, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. People spoke about their businesses in relation to the question, what business are you in? By referring to the product or service they offer and the outcome of the product or service. And yet, Bruce, we're not in business for that reason. We're not in business to define the outcome of the commodity we offer because all of us offer commodities. We live in a very, very commoditized, over-serviced environment. We are in the business, ideally, of defining a customer experience. And it becomes incredibly hard to get that right. Because when you have a product, a widget, a service that could be valid and relevant to a wide market, you then move into a space of saying, I can be everything to everyone. And very often you end up being nothing to anyone as a result. You have we to, in, only, as, in as much as you define what it is you are, you must define what it is that you're not. It's so important, surely. It's the best way to do it. It's the best way to do it. You know, look at the people who win in the Olympics. Look at the people who win... I sprint. I do the 100-meter sprint. I'm a specialist in the 100-meter sprint. It's literally all I do. And as a result, I can ensure that I can optimize everything to do with the 100-meter sprint. If you put the 100-meter sprinter next to a decathlete, he, she will murder that decathlete on the 100-meter sprint. And for us, as small businesses, medium-sized businesses, we simply don't have the budgets and the resources to try and be everything to everyone. We've got to select a niche, Define who we want to dominate in terms of providing the best possible experience and say, I'm going to occupy that little sliver in the market and I'm going to be king of that castle. Yep. But defining and it's harder than deciding what it is that you are as is deciding what you're not. It is harder because there's stuff that you like. There's stuff that you've done for a long time. 
And yes, it's not doing as well as it used to, but it still makes money. It's still there. I mean, it still ticks along. To decide to stop doing that thing, I think, is flippant difficult. You know, we, we've had these debates so often. To, to start a business, you have to hustle. And we haven't heard that word for a long time. Remember, it was in vogue at one point in time. Everyone was hustling. It's all about the hustle. Yeah, hustling is vital. It's absolutely critical. If you're not hustling and you start a business with the mind that you have the answer to everything, you're going to be in deep, 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 deep trouble. You have to dance the dance in order to decide whether it's going to be a waltz or what are the other forms of dancing? <laughs> Whatever it may be. But you have to start dancing. You've got to start moving. I've got two the left feet. I, I don't know what dancing is. <laughs> the, the problem is this. It builds up so many bad habits. Because unless you can get to a point where you start to realize the most important thing in life is simplicity. Simplicity. For the simple fact that it allows you to not be distracted, it allows you to cast all your attention on doing what you're doing with the view to be the best at what you do, because that's what it takes to grow, that's what it takes to get ahead, that's what it takes to win. This idea that you can dabble in many other things is something that always perplexes me, because the dabblers never feature in the Olympics at all. Yeah. The second thing that's important behind it, it is so hard, Bruce, so hard to get simple operational activities in place. So here's a really trivial example. Let's say you're in the events business. And let's say you've always set tables for big banquets in a certain way. And let's say you've decided now, for whatever reason, to put the napkins or serviettes on the left-hand side or instead of the right-hand side, or the right-hand side instead of the left-hand side. Get it right. And yep. you issue <laughs> you issue that instruction. And at the next event, after everyone has nodded, yes, Bruce, we understand exactly where you want the serviettes. You arrive at the event, prior to the client arriving, you've got 600 people for dinner at this big event. It's the big event in the year that you have always flagshipped in your company as an events business. And the napkin's on the wrong side. It is really hard get simple things right and if you don't simplify it's even yeah. harder no, absolutely right the the idea of i mean is one of the things you need to be thinking of is how you get better um, at what you do maybe become more dependable as a business internally externally run simply better yeah and, and you know what dependability is it, it really is a combination of reliable consistency because one of the hardest things to get right and one of the things that everyone is grappling with whether you have a small business medium business or corporate giant entity business is this idea of being able to delegate effectively if you don't if you don't delegate it means you are doing if you are doing it means you're not leading managing and directing and if you're not leading managing and directing Who's steering the ship to the destination? And who's focusing on the issue of growth as opposed to the issue of operating? This idea of dependability is essential. And I have very heated debates with business owners around how you bake it in and articulate it into your everyday activities. And Bruce, what does it come down to? Business systems. It's the only way 
to create some level of dependability. And it is the only way I'm yet to see that creates the most effective way of getting delegation done right. If you can get those two elements in place, business systems to deliver a simplified proposition into a market that will take you to the destination you want to reach, you have the opportunity to get your team alongside with you. This idea of a shared vision within a team, whose vision is it? Do they need to share your vision? Or do you need to workshop a vision? Because, yeah, yeah. answer that question. No, very much so. As a business owner, you need to have a vision. But, you know, vision, if I look at Auric, the vision I certainly had for Auric when we started is not the vision we have today. Every single person that's ever worked at Auric, every single client we've ever worked with has contributed to that vision. And the vision we have today is a completely co-created activity. I think it's essential that you get your team to voice in on the vision because what you want is to have a team that is inspired by the future and inspired more importantly by what we do today to affect that future is something that gives us beyond our work, our job, value and meaning in arriving at work every day. Getting a highly motivated team that feel as one and work as one is absolutely critical, especially in a world where skills are becoming scarcer, harder to find, and more expensive to own. I saw a fabulous clip with Simon Sinek the other day. He's the thinker, the author, the speaker. He's a very smart guy, Simon Sinek. I don't know if you're a fan, but I am. And he said one of the things that he's noticed in board in, in meetings is when the CEO or the managing director or the manager of the division steps in and says, okay, guys, this is what I'm thinking. Um, let's discuss. You get a very sort of narrow discussion happening. But if the CEO sits down and says, okay, what do you think? And goes around the table and speaks last. They get the benefit of all of the thinking in the group, all of the independent thinking in the group. They're not directing who's thinking what, and they're not demanding that a, for a particular outcome. They're open to any outcome of a discussion. And I wonder, as you go into that shared team vision discussion, whether you share your vision or you say, guys, what's your vision for our business? And maybe you get to speak Much last once you can that. consolidate everybody else's thoughts. Much prefer that, Bruce, for the simple fact that very often, despite the fact that you think you're an easygoing person, when you put a view forward and ask for people's opinions, you'll find mostly they'll agree with you. After all, you are the boss. Pablo Fatidis at Auric Business Accelerator. Thank you very much indeed.